Amen. I have an emergency. Everywhere there's an emergency, let's pray. Father God, the people are hurting. They're in pain. They're being taken out, destroyed from within, from without, Lord, from all around, from the things we eat, breathe, walk on, drink, Lord God, and from within. I pray, Jesus, today that these emergencies would be resolved by the presence of you, the Creator the one who redeemed us, the one who bought and paid for us, that you would get what you bought, what you died for, Lord God, that everything that you have coming, every good thing that you died to purchase back would be given to you, including our lives, our souls, our joy. I thank you, Jesus, that you are coming again, and you are God, and we are excited about you being God because you are good. And I thank you, Lord, for giving us power over all the power of the enemy. Thank you for the stories you're giving us of how you did it when you were here in the book of Mark. And I pray today that our listeners would become learners and pursuers of the Most High God and that you wouldn't just be hearers and not doers because doers that don't do, hearers that don't do become deceived. And I pray, Father God, that we would all get up and go and do what you've called us to do. Praise you, thank you, stand uh, and, and, and declare the works and the glory of God and not to back down. Those who are getting courage to do that, Lord, today, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive. Give us your divine promise of protection, that no weapon formed against us will prosper, that no word said, no deed done, no action taken will be able to be used by the enemy to bring forth any shame, trouble, or reproach. Now, open our eyes. Give us your wisdom as we speak as the oracles of God. Amen. Amen. Welcome to Rescue Radio and uh, Life Recovery and uh, True Light Church, Minnesota. Yeah, that's right. There are many people that are in need of rescue. All of us are in need of rescue, but thank God that there is the great rescuer, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ, who came to this earth, yes. sent by the Father on a great rescue mission. mission. We, we've been talking about... Uh, and he's on a mission today in this story. Well, yeah, you know, we we spoke last time about the demonized man of Gadara that was set free from many, many demons. Uh-huh. Now we're, we're moving on in the book of Mark, uh, chapter 5, verse 21. Well, before we move on too fast... You know, this demonized, this idea of being demonized, like the man at Gadara, you know, obvious, a very apparent demonization. Um, we also see that many people are demonized and don't recognize it these days. They're just, they're, they're bound, they're controlled. That's kind of what demonization, oppression, possession uh, is. You're controlled by your emotions, you're bound by other people's ideas or impressions of what you should do or be. We're, we're bound in our bodies. Our bodies are not working. Mm-hmm. I believe mm-hmm. a lot of people are really, I mean, obviously they're not manifesting. Some are actually cutting themselves and bound mm-hmm. with chains. They're more ch- The chains these days are more like medications and, you know, mental... Thoughts. Yeah, right. And Philosophies. Med- and, and walls of some sort, mental health institutions, whatever. But the the thing is, many people are really in this man's condition, only they don't relate the two because they don't look quite the same. Well, yeah, we're talking about other situations here, too, you know, where people do not relate what they're, what 
is happening in their lives to demons or to, to spiritual to demons spiritual or to spiritual roots, yeah. things. Spiritual Jesus roots. said, "You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free." So, whatever is not free in your life, you know, if you're not free to sleep well, if you're not free to eat properly, and you, you, it, your food is is hurting you, or your hormones aren't working right, as we'll see in these next couple of stories here. These people, I mean, this is a whole chapter, chapter 5 of Mark, on Jesus fixing things, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, he set a demonized man free, and now he's uh, about to set free a, a, a woman, uh, well, two ladies, actually, a young girl and a, a lady. Um, you know, Jesus, after the demonized man had been set free, uh, Jesus had, you know, come across. You, you, if you look back, there was this great storm. Comes, meets the demonized, demonized man on the shore, sets him free from all the demons, and then with, he's there with his disciples, with the twelve apparently. And then he he's gone back now across to the other side, back to Capernaum, which really had become his um, headquarters, ministry headquarters at mm-hmm. this time. Mm-hmm. So. Um, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. So the word of Jesus, the reputation of Jesus was growing and developing. Word had getting around. The crowds were starting to come. They'd heard about healings. They'd heard about this man that was in the uh, head of the unclean spirit that was in the synagogue in Capernaum. Right. They were how, seeing how people. Jesus well, they had free. already seen him heal many, many different varieties of illnesses and afflictions. And so hope was rising in maybe he can help me too. And there's always some people, you know, who are the first wave um, that go and get their healing. They, they press in, they get their whatever. And then you have the second wave of people who come after and say, well, maybe me too. Maybe now there's, it, it helps their, their hope and their faith level kind of raise up. So there, that's what I think was happening here. Or, in verse 22, you want to read that? Yeah, and behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. Now, it's interesting. Back in those days, you know, the, the temple, when the temple had been destroyed many, many years before that, now that there was a temple, Herod's temple had been, you know, rebuilt, or almost, it was almost completed. It was about, well, about completed at the time of Jesus. The, the Jewish people, well, they didn't have their temple after the temple had been uh, destroyed by the Babylonians. They um, met in synagogues, these right. little house churches, churches so, of. sort of house churches, but they used, you know, they had their own building and so forth. And the ruler of the synagogue, Jairus, he was elected. There's an interesting here uh, scenario here. He was elected. He was an elected official. So he was voted in to be a ruler in the synagogue. And he was the guy that was the supervisor of worship. He kind of ordered the, the worship service. Mm-hmm. He oversaw the school, the weekly school they had there. And he was also the caretaker of the building. Okay. And very <laughs> likely, <laughs> most of the synagogue rulers, leaders, they're called rulers in some places, were heavily influenced by the Pharisees. Of course. And of course, because the Pharisees were the big deal. They were the, the, the common people. They were the ones that really were all about the synagogue. And of course, they were the ones who were resistors of Jesus. So very likely, Jairus doesn't say he was a Pharisee, but he was definitely influenced by the Pharisees 
not to support Jesus. But we also see that the first miracle that Jesus did in Capernaum was in a synagogue, and it was the casting of the religious spirit or the demon out of the, the unclean spirit, out of the man who was uh, speaking in plur- plural pr- pronouns, uh, what have uh, come out from him? What have we to, we to do with you, right. Jesus of Nazareth? Now, this guy, now it says when they crossed over the other side, they were crossing back over, as you mentioned, to Capernaum. So this could have been a ruler in the synagogue that was there that day, that right. Sabbath day, when he saw this demonized man get delivered. And so now he, when he has his own personal issue problem with his daughter's sickness, he seeks out this same Jesus, which makes total sense to me, that if I saw a miracle worker who was genuine and and had the reputation and the honor and the track record that Jesus did and my daughter got sick, you better believe I'd be over there right now begging Jesus to come and see her, whether I was affiliated with Pharisees or not. Oh, well, so the, his desperation overrode yeah. any his religious per- persuasion or his yeah. theology. And that's what has to happen a lot his, of times. Or his political affiliation. You know, we don't like to think that there's a lot of politics involved with church and religious oh things, my, but it, oh it is. It, is a, it has become mostly a political institution. But, you know, a lot of times people don't don't seek out Jesus until they do become desperate. And that's unfortunate because it's like you're pushing the envelope till it has to, you have to you know, the, you know, get to the bottom of the barrel or, or hit rock bottom or whatever. It's too bad that people have to wait so long before they will turn and, 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 and acknowledge what has been true all along. And so... Yeah, and another thing too, another miracle that occurred at Capernaum was the time, you know, the guys brought the paralyzed man right. and they, they, they tore off the roof of the yeah. house mm-hmm. and let him down in front of Jesus. That happened at Capernaum, too. So they're two very striking, right. uh, healing, uh, delivering events that occurred in Capernaum. And I'm sure that, you know, these things were not done in corners. The one, mm-hmm. like you said, one was done in a synagogue, another one had a house, and there was a great crowd of people. So, so he, word of this right. has, has gotten around. And, and, and to really inspire uh, the faith of this man, Jairus. Now, Jairus is begging Jesus earnestly, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her and she may, that she may be healed and she will live. So we find out that later that how old this girl is and that she actually is uh, his only child. Um, but in the in the midst of this urgent emergency ambulance run kind of thing, where she's at the point of death and and some you know at very critical you know she's very critical like like within minutes of dying, Jesus gets interrupted. Um, but before we go there, let, let's look at this. He says, "Look at this statement of faith." He says in verse in verse twenty three, "Come and lay hands on her that she may be healed and she will live." Right. I mean, in other words, okay, in order to do something, so if you take your, yeah. um, you go to a, a doctor, even to repair something, you, you expect them to perform something, you know they can do the job, and it's going to be done right. Mm-hmm. Okay? And so... But, um, but you know, the, th- the thing is, you go, <laughs> well, you, you oftentimes when you go to a medical professional, they're, I don't know if they're uh, mandated, <clears throat> to tell you all the bad things, the worst things, the worst case scenario that could happen. So Jesus didn't say, well, there's no way that this girl is going to be healed. I mean, he was not walking in that kind of uh, unbelief that, that he was, he, Jesus was 
there. He was going to do it. This man knew it. When you go, when you go to a mechanic, oftentimes they'll say, "Well, yeah, we can fix this." But you go to the doctor a lot of times. Well, yeah, I oh, yeah. don't know if we can fix this. Yeah. You're you're going to be doomed to a wheelchair the rest of your right, life. Right, right. No... So th- that's that's a that's a terrible hit for uh, a person who's already down. Right, right. And we don't. <clears throat> there's no record here of saying that uh, Jairus had gone to a doctor and so forth. But it's kind of like if I know a mechanic, like we know a mechanic that if we have something wrong with the car, <coughs> we're going to be there. He's going to do the job right. He'll know what to do. It'll be done right. It'll be fine. So this was really the statement of Jairus. Mm-hmm. Jesus, you're going to come. You're going to... Um, lay hands on her. He says, yeah. He <clears> says, you're going to lay hands on her. And she will be healed. And she, and she, and she, and she will, will live. live. He says, I know that this is going to happen. So there was a real, a solid faith, a great statement of faith. There. So as we But read, as you see this great statement of faith made here, you'll see the great test. Oh. of that great statement of faith in in a few minutes. Yeah, the test will come here. In verse 24, so Jesus went with him. Jesus responds to this guy, mm-hmm. goes with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. So along with that, he's, he's, there's this huge crowd of people yeah. coming along. And they're, well, probably the crowd is growing, gathering, because a lot of people followed Jairus over, Jairus over there. And then some were also just along the street, waiting in the street. They gathered. He kind of collected people as he went. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it says, Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Now, just those couple of verses there. Isn't that the case with so many people? They spend everything. Their insurance premiums have gone out of the off the roof. They can't handle it anymore. They don't know what to do. Um, suffered many things. The physicians can't help them. They can't diagnose it properly. And so the the people spend more and more and more. And then they turn sometimes to um, witch doctors and magic things and and medications are oftentimes that sort of stuff. And the problem is that a lot of times we trust the doctor. We trust the medical profession. And a lot of times the medical profession, basically it's a crapshoot. If this doesn't work, we'll, we'll try, try this. this. And if this doesn't <clears throat> work, we'll try this. And if this doesn't work, we'll try and you this. Know, but but it, because we've tried all this, now you have to take all, do all these procedures in order to counteract the side effects. And then, right. the, then you, you have get to, locked in, buried in, poisoned, toxified. Well, I don't know how yeah. many of the medications, I don't know if they had a lot of medications, but really she sounds like um, as we go forward that she'd suffered many things. It sounds like her hormones, she had, she had need of hormonal therapy or adjustments. She probably needed a hysterectomy. Um, and so, but, and in back in those days, I don't think they performed less. So what was her hope of getting better? And, and this is, this she is, was the, weak. Right. She was bl- lost blood. She was anemic. She was alone. By that time, 12 was, years, you're given up. You're used broke. to it. You're, she's emotionally broke, she's broke too. surviving. Because how, how can you hope anymore? 12 years, you've been draining, getting weaker by the day, losing life, losing your ability to live life. You're done. And basically, what does she, she have to look forward to? Right, and she basically, if she was a a faithful uh-huh. Jewish person, she would not have been able to go into the temple or to the synagogue. Well, let's just do something here right now. I think there's a lot of people listening, or will be listening to this, that are in a similar situation. We run into them a lot, where they're beyond medical help. You know, the doctors don't know what they haven't diagnosed it properly. They don't have anything for it. They can guess guesstimate, and there and there's some of it that you know is helpful. I'm not saying that. Not saying every doctor's in it for the money. Not every doctor curses people. Not saying that. 
but it is a big money maker. You have to admit that. So, but when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she had said, if only I can touch his clothes, I will be made well. So her faith demanded of her that she get up off of her couch, weak, sick, you know, messy, bloody, isolated, out of, cont- out of touch with evil, and get out in the hot, sweaty crowd, push her way, weak woman, through these barreling, bullying, you know, thronging people. Jostling of yeah, the crowd. Yeah, trying to get close enough to Jesus to do what she believed. Well, God put that in her heart. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be well. She didn't want to make a big scene. She just wanted to get in and get out. Exactly. And the thing is, too, is she was considered unclean. Right. And and she, like you said, she she was socially isolated. Right. Because anybody in, under Jewish law, anybody that touched somebody that had a discharge like this, you read it in Leviticus 15. Yeah. She was unclean. Anybody that touches her or anything that she sat on or, or lay down on would be considered unclean. So she was just running the risk, too. It says, if I touch Jesus... I run the risk of making him well, she was going ceremonially against all, unclean. Look at, look at what she had to do. She had to go against all of the Jewish legal law prescriptions for this. She had to resist what she was taught and told and the legal legalities of her issue and break out of that to, by faith, go touch Jesus. So she had to actually, re- just like almost everything that... You know, Jesus did was was a, a slam to the law. It's like, okay, the law says you can't move on, you can't carry your bed on the Sabbath, you can't da da da, you can't can't heal on the Sabbath, and now you got somebody out here who's breaking the law to get healed, <laughs> and you you wonder why is why is God letting how if God is so interested in the law, why is He setting up everybody to have to break the law to get healed? And they say, well, whoa, whoa, how God doesn't cause us to break the law? Well. This was the point here is that the law was irrelevant as it couldn't heal. It cannot save. It was mm-hmm. temporary. It was simply there as a, 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 t- a temporary um, directive, you know, to identify and protect the people of God. The law was soon to be done away with within probably months here. But so she said, if I, if I can just touch the hem of his garment. So obviously her faith was to just get there and I shall be made well. Jerry's is saying, if you just come and lay hands on my daughter, she'll be well. Everybody's got their idea of how Jesus can make him well. Right. And she had, she had a plan. If I can just touch his clothes. And that might've been the right plan. It's a, she could have got that plan. right from God. And she really had, she really had nothing to lose. Well, you know, and, and even people sometimes listening like to 700 Club and various radio plays, God is very gracious. So if people today are listening and you have this sort of issue of blood or hemorrhaging or or um, uh, need in need of some surgeries or medications uh, that you can't have, don't have access to, may the Lord just touch you today as, as mm-hmm. you touch the hem of his garment. And you don't, I mean, it's not about how much faith you have and you're not getting healed because you don't have enough faith. That's a bunch of religious political garbage. Jesus said, faith is a grain of mustard seed. He said, you can borrow my faith. He says, it's faith, the faith of the Son of God. So I'm going to use Jesus' faith here to get my stuff done. But anyway, so when she did this, she ran. She, I think she had to crawl. I think she had to get on her hands and knees because the hem is down by the ground. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to touch the hem if you're, unless it's the hem of his sleeve or something. Mm-hmm. But she's got to be a weak one. How in the world did she get past all these big, rowdy people unless she's probably on her hands and knees crawling underneath 
the crowds to get she's, to the Emma Garment. She's expending. She's what, on her knees. Little, I believe she's on her knees. What little strength that she still has. Yeah, and so here she, here's, this is gets to be. So immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction or and the so suffering. So what Jesus did, what many physicians over many years, many expensive physicians yeah. over many years, Sheesh. had failed to do it. Jesus did it right wow. now. Wow, isn't this cool? Immediately. Cool, Jesus, thank you. So um, she'd suffered. She'd gone to the place of almost to the place of doubt, unbelief, hopelessness, despair, never going to happen. And yet she overcame that by the word of her faith to just get there. And immediately Jesus, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? I mean, like. Here, here, (laughs) there was a thing there that she was afraid because she says, who touched my clothes? I'm sure there was afraid that he's mad at me. Well, he's mad, he's angry at me right. for touching him because if I'm he unclean. knows I'm unclean, I'm unclean. I made him unclean. No, when when we touch Jesus in our uncleanness, he makes us clean. Correct. We don't make him unclean because he bore mm-hmm. our uncleanness. Yeah. He bore our infirmities, our sicknesses, our diseases in his own body on the cross. So he knew that power had gone out of him. He had he knew that the Spirit of God had reached out through him and healed this woman. And he said, who touched my clothes? I don't think he needed really to ask that question. I think he knew who touched him. I think he knew what was going on. But, oh, yeah. but, it was, but his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and you say, who touched me? Like, are you nuts, Jesus? What's up? I mean, there's, Can't there's, you? There's, there's we all touch of... you. Hundreds of people touch you. Which one are you talking about? And so, so they are, again, using their reasoning. They're, they're failing to see the spiritual power of, of, the, of the whole moment that they're in. They're, they're, they're failing to see the power of this, this God movement. They're, they're still kind of like, maybe just, I will give them credit, they're just learning. Um, so, but there's, there's, again, almost like asking him, are you dumb? Are you, a dumb question here, Jesus. Why would you ask that? And he looked around to, to see her who had done this thing. And the woman, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Now you're exactly right. I believe she was afraid that she would be be in trouble. She was afraid that she would get scolded, and that's why she wanted to do this on the sly, get in, get out, and go home. Mm-hmm. And and uh, but Jesus wasn't going to let her because why? Because she felt still unworthy that I don't deserve even a recognition. I don't even deserve to ask the question or pray the prayer. I don't even deserve to have you know the, to, to come before him. I'm, I'm not I, even going to come and. I'm not worthy try to, to even tug on his garment and say, "Would you please touch me?" Would you please I, your right. Name? I'm not worthy to, yeah. to even have him know my name, and yet Jesus was not going to get let her go unnamed and unknown. And he said to her, um, "Verse thirty-four. Yeah. What is what is he? He say? says in, he's a daughter. It's interesting in the Amplified Bible. It says he said to her, daughter. Wow." Well, he, he does, yeah. He says, "You're, you're one of mine." Right, you're and and th- this this is the key to health and healing and life and oh. hope and everything is identity, correct identity. And he said, as he said to the man with the the paralyzed man, he says, "Son, son." So daughters, mm. sons of the Most High God that have been crippled, crushed, and and almost put out of commission totally by Satan, and yet. We don't think of it that. We think, oh, it's because I'm bad, because I'm no good, because I deserve this, because I did something wrong. That is not true. 
Satan hated you before you even breathed your first breath. So it's, it's, and, and tries to destroy our identity. So he says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Your faith. Her faith was oh, an act of obedience. Faith here. Faith is uh, when you, the demonstration of her faith is obedience. She got up. She got off the off of her sick bed and went out to, yeah. into the into the streets, and into the day, into the light to go find him. In the last part of verse thirty-four, there in the Amplified Bible, it says, "Go in, go into peace," is what it really means. Mm-hmm. There, go into peace. Mm-hmm. Go into peace, not just go in peace, but go into peace. In other words, live in peace and oh. be continually healed and freed from your distressing bodily disease. Now, let me tell be you something here. continually healed. One of her problems was she didn't have peace. He said, go into peace. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when your hormones are screwed up like that, you know, your, your adrenaline, your estrogen, progesterone, of course, they didn't know about all that stuff back then. It creates disruptions, anxieties, insomnias, anger, uh, all kinds of things. And, and it, it creates female problems. It, there's, so it was, I think she had a real hormonal problem. So there was no way she could live in peace. You can't live in peace when your hormones are screwed up. And mm-hmm. people's hormones are screwed up these days because there's a, there's a specific demonic assault to take after the, the hormonal balances and chemical levels in your physical bodies. You know, we're all estrogen dominant because we drink all of our water out of plastic water bottles that have been soaking in the sun, which creates xenoestrogens, which creates too much estrogen. Xeno means they act like estrogen. And so you you're don't have enough progesterone. That's men and women. And so we're out of whack. We're, we're not balanced. We're not feeling, we're, we're not stable. That's what that means when they say you're not stable. That means your chemical balances are off. Your vibrations and frequencies too much exposure to the, to the G5 towers, et cetera, et cetera. Guys, this is why the people, the road rage and stuff is increasing because of vibrations being attacked and assaulted, DNA being attacked and assaulted, chemical balances and, and um, hormones being attacked and, and, and screwed and messed with. So start praying over your own body and say, and you so, know, yeah. I call my body back into full balance and obedience to Jesus Christ. Every orm- hormone, every organ tissue, operation, function, vibration. This is not a silly prayer. This is a very specific prayer. People are too lazy to pray specific prayers, but they will spend their whole life giving money t- to somebody else to do it for them. But Jesus doesn't charge. He didn't say, oh, yeah, you can put your offering in the... He, he, he was all free of charge. Free. There's mm-hmm. another concept we don't get well. Mm-hmm. You know, well, um, anyway, we'll go there a different day. So he said, daughter. He was reestablishing her identity after 12 years she had lost her identity. Who am I anymore? Do I count? Do I matter? Does I'm anybody just, know? Does anybody I'm just, care? I'm unclean. Yeah, I'm that sick. was her identity. I'm sick. I'm weak. I'm broke. I'm isolated. I don't have I'm hopeless. Friends. I'm depressed. Who cares? I'm lonely. I'm unclean. Who loves? No love. No love. How there was sad. no love in her life. I, and how many people Nobody out there? Nobody was touching No her. love in your life. You're isolated. You're fe- feeling bad. You don't have the You're depressed. Your hormones aren't working. And you can't even get up off the couch to, to you know, Mary Hart does good like a medicine. Well, that, that medicine is, is pretty rare these days because there's nothing to be merry about unless you are in the Lord and in the Word of God. Then you can be excited about all kinds of things. But so while she's getting healed and going into peace, which means now your body is balanced. Now your body is go into peace. Isn't your body's at peace. You're not anxious. Mm. You're not. You know. You know. Vi- frequencies aren't whacking out on you. 
uh, and people do all kinds of things to manage their their body chemistries. Don't let's just stay there for a second. I got one more thing to say. In mod in, in moderating your body chemistries, people have learned how to use drugs. Uh, whether it's a pot to slow you down if you're too hyperactive or the, the, the uppers or the, the, the speed type of drugs to get you going. And, and that can include things like caffeine, you know, because people, I mean, caffeine, I'm not going to say coffee's bad. It's a gift, but the coffee that we drink nowadays is pretty much non-organic and poison. And it's the process that, that ruins it. The process of making it into coffee is what ruins it. But so we're looking for that high. We're looking for that energy, that stimulant. We all, you, you, we have to have, it's called fuel. You know, you have to gas your car's tank or I don't care what you got for a car. It could be the nicest car, most expensive car, most beautiful looking car. If you don't put some fuel in the tank, you're not going anywhere. And that's the same with obviously in the beautiful body, a, a high classy body. But if you don't feed it, Jesus said, God said the second thing he said, here's the food, guys. Okay, I made you. You're organic. You're an organism. You need to eat organic food to keep the body going. Why did he do it that way? I don't know, but he did it that way. So we're eating the food that God created for us. And the more close to that prescription, the better off you're going to be. And don't just please, guys, do yourself a favor and stop eating the food that you buy in the grocery store for the most part, if you can help it. I mean, I know we have to pick up some things there, but for the most part, get your food from a real source and eat real food. I mean, just otherwise you're saying you're making an agreement with death and Roundup mm-hmm. and all kinds of other things that get into your body and GMOs, do things that yeah. you have no idea until it is too late and you're too full of poisons and toxins. Back in these days with this woman, I don't think her diet was the problem. I don't, no. but she, and she didn't have to be told, okay, now stop eating junk food and restaurant food. Okay, you can... She already, that, that wasn't one of the pitfalls back in those days. But so nowadays we have, we have all kinds of things attacking us. It's, and the word of God is a healing medicine. It is a heal. You read the word of God. You get back into balance and faith and peace and, re, and get the spirit. Let the Lord remove the spirit of guilt from you because guilt isn't good for us. Okay, back to the story. Back to the story, we get a, a very contrasting verse right here, mm-hmm. right after um, verse 34. So here, again, verse 34, he said to her daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Wow, what a high. victory, what a high. Yeah. What Exciting. a great thing. People rejoicing. The, but there's people in the crowd that aren't rejoicing at all. But then while he was still speaking, yeah. just as he was saying this, yep. some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Now, you've, you've got a high of a healing and a deliverance. And, and now, 10 seconds now later. Now you, you mentioned about a test. Mm-hmm. Jairus was having a, a, a great test here because they said, your daughter's already dead. Okay, it's too late. Don't bother. Mm-hmm. You know you're you're going to be a bo- you're a bother to uh, Jesus. And I, I've, too late I've talked to many to people yeah. that 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 say some of the, a lot of these old school people, church people. So well, uh, God's so important. I, I mean, He's so busy. He's got so much going on. I don't want to bother Him with my my need, my request. I don't want to bother Him. It's like as if God doesn't know it. As if God doesn't know it, but. I said, why about, he said, it's basically, it's, listen, it's too late. It's too late. And listen, he's in already in a place of desperation, okay? Mm-hmm. The ruler of the synagogue, mm-hmm. Jairus. Mm-hmm. 
But look at what Jesus does. says, as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do, do not be afraid, only believe. Here he was tempted into, to really go from desperation into despair. There's no or hope. Or anger. Fear, anger. Beginning the grieving process. You right, know. all this kind of stuff. Terror. It's, it's right there. It's, it's, some, it's, re- it's ready to be kicked off. And mm-hmm. Jesus puts a stop to it right there. He arrests that fear and but that you can anger imagine and that was... despair right there with his words, don't be afraid, mm-hmm. only believe. But you can imagine that Jairus was also you know, thinking, yeah, if he would have hurried up and not took all the time with this woman and she could have waited and 12 years, what's another 12 minutes? And uh, I'm sure that all these temptations were bombarding his mind oh, as sure. well to feel like he had been um, ripped off. And, and yet Jesus, and, and this is true, when you are at that moment of absolute breaking, surrender, crisis, it's too late, it's gone, daughter's dead, you know, there's no hope. A lot of people just go with that. They just say, okay, yeah, well, I guess It we is to, what it is. Yeah, we have to live with this. There's very few people, and I've seen, I've met some, though, that say, well, my child was this and that, pronounced this and that, and they said there was no hope and he's going to be like this forever, but I didn't go with that. I went with faith and I believe God. Whose report do you believe? And, and they received their child back from the dead, basically. So Jesus is saying, but, but notice here, already the mounting um, unbelief, the wave of unbelief, it's too late, don't trouble the teacher anymore. Um, she's dead. Dead is dead. You know, dead is done. There's nothing you can do with death except put him in a Box. Back to that whole thing of the delay that this woman, with the issue of blood, that whole situ- scene with her, this is this is slowing everything down. I mean, Jairus's thing, you know, we well, got to go right now. Jesus is coming right now. She's about ready to die, right. and then here, oh my God, here's yep. this, here's yep. this, this basically this traffic jam that's smiled right. everything up. Right, right. And traffic I mean, I, I'm sure I'm sure he's happy for the lady that got healed, but it's. It's holding up the show. Well, it's holding up the deliverance. How many times do we think we've done everything we can do? We've got the plan. We worked it hard. We ran hard to make it work. We gave it all we had. We're, we're doing it out of fear and terror and dread and panic and, and and anger, kind of because it's it's so wrong that his daughter is lying there dead. And I'm sure he's going over and over, or over in his mind. What could I have done different? It's my already guilt is setting in. Like I could have, if I should have, if I would have, if da 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 da, and so we see this. Um, this is where you're at, people. This is where we get when things are crisis. Like all kinds of things flood into our minds. What could I've done different? It's my fault. Where was where was God? You know, obviously Jesus had, wasn't there. So you know, Jesus healed people from a distance. You know, there were several examples. Uh, uh, the, I think was the um, centurion. The, yeah, there you go. He said, "Just um, go your speak way. Your, your son, your servant is healed." He, he says, blah, blah, "I can, blah. I can, I'll, I'll come and heal him." He said, "No, you don't have to do that. Just all you have to do is say the word." Because so this guy, <clears throat> the centurion, understood authority. He says, "I just basically right. say something and it gets done." Uh, but you know what? That's a problem. People don't understand authority. And this man, he mm-hmm. his faith was, "Well, Jesus got to come lay hands on." Him. That was what he had in his mind. He he didn't have the faith that Jesus could just speak and she'd be well, um, and and but authority is understand and, and here is the bottom line: who does have authority and power over death, 
over life, over demons, over storms and tempests? Who has the authority over this earth? Are we fearing God or are we fearing man um, and, and what man can do to us? Because God is in control of all of these things. So Jesus calmed him down a little bit. He said, do not be afraid, only believe. Um, and he permitted no one to follow him. Jesus permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. <clears throat> so Jesus is going to cut the unbelief out of the, out of the equation right now. He's reducing the crowd down. He's saying, nope, you guys stay here. Um, nobody's coming with me. He, he had to get a little authoritative. And I, why you say, well, why? Why didn't he let everybody come and watch? Well, they just, you know, because sometimes they're just gawkers. Sometimes they're not adding faith. And, you know, Jesus had to do some things here. He had to connect with the Father pretty intensely. You don't need other people's unbelief staring you down while you're, you know, even Peter, remember when he laid his, when, what was it, Dorcas was dead, he went up into the upper room and he right. sent everybody out. He didn't need a, a big show. I mean, this is not, we're not doing this. This is not a, um, so many people, they, they, they want to make other people's problems a circus. They want to, you know, display other people's demonic antics for everybody to watch and see and wow and think how great they are. Jesus didn't need all of that crowd. He knew who he was and he knew what he needed to do. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. They were already assembling the people, the mourners, the professional mourners, the, the right, mothers, right. Aunt, the mother, the aunts, the sisters, the brothers, the friends, and the they cousins. Were, they were probably just, you know, thinking about getting ready for the funeral and everything. But yeah, most, as you said, they were professional mourners, mm -hmm. mostly women that were hired to to go and wail and weep at, at funerals. And then the way they did it back then is the same way they do it, similar to what they do in India these days. And we, I've seen that many times in India, funeral processions. With the same day that they died, the same day, they get the body ready, wrap it up, put it on a like a stretcher thing, and carry it through the streets of the city with the mourners and the family members mm -hmm. and the friends walking behind. So they're getting ready to do this. But the mourners are already there. It didn't take long to get the mourners. Well, I suppose they the mourners were probably right. He says, but she's about ready to die. So let's let's get the mourners in. And it's funny how we don't hire people to do that. I think they had, like you said, professional people to come and weep and wail. And I don't quite understand why they did that. I'm sure there's a reason. Um, but uh, maybe it was to make intercession for the person's soul so that the enemy couldn't have them. I don't know. I, I suppose it was something spiritual like that because they wouldn't just do it for fun of it because it wasn't fun at all. Um, well, the thing is, too, if there wasn't, the the more mourners you had, it was kind of a status thing. It yeah. was an insult if you didn't have mourners or you didn't have many mourners. Or nobody to, to bury yeah, you. It's like that was a no, big insult. It's like nobody attends somebody's funeral. It's kind of an insult. Well, yeah. it's sad. It's, it's really sad, sad because yeah. it just tells you that that person had no people in his world yeah. or her world. But so um, they so they um, came to the house. They saw the tumult, actually, all the unbelief, the fear, the be the begging, the guilt, the wailing. When he came in, he said to them, why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead but sleeping. I mean, this is a, you throw this statement into the midst of people who might have their minds made up that she's dead and we're here to wail and, and mourn. Or, and you're saying she's not dead. You are nuts. 
Who are you? You know, I mean, Jesus was taking high risk here to, to declare the truth and the faith of God. But he, he's done that before. You know, like when he fed the 5,000, he looked up, he blessed the bread, and he's passed it out. I mean, it's like he is, he's, he's got a real authority connection with the Father, and that is not going to be broken by anybody's words, commotions, or, or antics, or unbelief. And so he's making a statement here. Most of us, he, if we would pray to come in to pray for something like that, we wouldn't say anything about commotion or this child's not dead but sleeping. As a matter of fact, people have said those things and looked end up ended up looking like um, they did not get what they asked for, and it was like it made God look bad, made them look bad. Well, going back to uh, verse thirty-six uh, in the Amplified Bible, when they said, "Well, you know, your daughter's dead. Don't trouble the master anymore." And in the in the the tone of that, it brings out it it brings it out in the Amplified Bible. It says, "Overhearing." but ignoring what they said. So he heard what they were saying, and he said, okay, it's too late. They're saying it's too late. Your daughter's dead. But he, Jesus goes ahead and does what he does. He knew what he was going to do. Despite, despite the mm-hmm. uh, unbelief of the people, yeah. despite the well, hopelessness the, that the people This may is be the feeling. kind of Jesus, the son of the living God, Yeshua, Yahashua, uh, this, the anointed one. This is the kind of behavior, act, uh, taking action, stepping in that we need, that we need these days that we must have in the days, the coming days. We're, you know, there's no government, there's no uh, remedy, there's no program, there's no rescue effort, um, emergency fund, disaster area relief program. There is nothing that is going to protect us from the various things that we may have to encounter in our life, except the love of God and, and, and Jesus, his power, his goodness, his desire to help us. So um, they were laughing him to scorn. This is, this is what they did with Jesus oftentimes. They would laugh him to scorn, but when he had put them out, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him, that would be Peter, James, and John, and entered where the child was laying. So these few people went into the room. It shows the depth, the depth of grief of the uh, professional mourners. They go from weeping and wailing to laughter. And scorn. Just like that. Well, you know, a lot of people scorn Jesus. Fun. Jesus is the most scorned, hated, uh, villainized, demonized uh, being that has ever walked the face of the earth. His name is taken in vain constantly. Yeah. You know, everybody else is okay, can have their fits, can do their garbage, can pull their antics, break the law, whatever they do. But Jesus Christ is found to be contemptible um, at every at a, at every point by Satan and those who are given to him or who are under his influence at the moment. And so... It's it's like Jesus is all by himself here. He isn't even, I mean, Peter, James, and John are there. <clears throat> I'm sure they're his little support team, but they're, you know, he was going to have to do this himself. And so they, the mother, the father were there. And he, he simply walked in the room, didn't say much, didn't talk much, didn't say he said anything. Then he took the child by the hand and he said to her, then he said something. What did he say? Talithakumi, which means it's an Aramaic word for little girl, I say to you, arise. I mean, the disciples who were, most of the disciples there were trilingual. They spoke Aramaic, Greek, and Hebrew. And a lot of places you go in the world, a lot of people know like three languages at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so he's speaking in Aramaic. 
he takes her by the hand, and it's it's interesting. In in the Amplified, it says he takes her firmly by the hand, um, grasping, gripping her firmly by the hand. He said to her, "Talitha Kumi," which is translated as "little girl." I say to you, arise from the sleep of death. So Jesus was saying, I I believe she was literally dead. She was Mm -hmm. dead. But Jesus said it's sleep because it was not permanent. Mm -hmm. It was was not the end. So when you're sleeping, you're going to wake up. When 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 uh-huh. we're when we're dead, the Bible talks about in First Thessalonians chapter four about those who sleep in Jesus, those who mm-hmm. have died in faith in Jesus. It's like sleep. In other words, it's not permanent mm-hmm. death because there's life uh, that comes through the name of Jesus, eternal life. We can't comprehend these things until really we're face to face with them. Like we don't think we don't want to think about death. We don't want to think about eternity. We don't want to think about dying. We don't want to think about you know these things are not happy thoughts for most people. And we we're like children. We just want to play and 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 dance and sing and eat, drink, and be merry. We don't want to really get so serious about life. But this life demands so much of us, so much, and it breaks people. It hurts people. It causes people to become desolate in despair. Uh, because bottom line, because they have no hope, because they mm-hmm. have no no hope of any justice ever happening. Some people have been so unjustly treated. I mean, it's like they're slammed, they're destroyed, they're uh, cut in sunder before they even breathe uh, outside air. I mean, some children are uh, abducted, absconded, kidnapped, uh, sold. Uh, de- destroyed uh, children. We're talking babies, children. We're talking kids like your grandchildren. We're talking children. Uh, they they have they're innocent. They have no means of protecting themselves. This little girl was the same. She was twelve. Um, and it says here, um, I say to you, arise immediately. The girl rose and walked, for she was twelve years of age. And they were overcome with great anno- amazement. Now, isn't it interesting? This girl was 12 years old, and the woman who had been in the issue of blood was had been in the infirmity 12 years. Yeah. So we have a, a real... For every day that this child was alive, that woman had suffered. For every day. I mean, that, that, that kind of puts it into a dipper... Every year. Yeah, I'm sorry, for every year. Yeah. Well, yeah, for every day, too. Every day, every yeah. year. <laughs> yeah, every, right. yeah. yeah. For every day, for every year. And, and so it kind of gives us a better look at what is 12 years this is 12 years looking at you right here. This girl gets up, and um, there's no explanation. There's no diagnosis. He doesn't lay his hand on her head to see if she's got a fever. He doesn't check her pulse to see if she's really dead. You know, he just walks in and commands with authority. This is what I like. I like it where you don't have to ask ask a million questions. Just go in and do what needs to be done. Take authority. The more times I think we pray to get you know, well, we want the d- details. What happened? What happened? We say, well, what happened? Well, how, well, you know, what do you need to care about what happened? It's now going to fix what, what is. What needs to be done is what you know you got, now you and what, what is to come. And so Jesus didn't ask, well, how long, how'd she get sick? What did she do? Did she drink bad water? Did she have typhoid? What was it? Well, it, it says it, it, she got up and walked. Yeah. And it says they were overcome with great amazement. You know what? Um, well, when someone can walk, we know they're pretty much healed. They're out of their bed. They're they're not paralyzed. <clears throat> they they their mind is working. Their limbs are working. Their motor skills are working. She's walking, and he commanded. Very interesting. 
but he commanded them strictly, strictly. Here's where we get serious. Here's where Jesus gets serious, okay? Up to this point, he's not being strict. He's just kind of walking in, doing his thing with authority. But he strictly charges them that no one should know it. How is everybody not going to know this? I mean, seriously. I mean, you can be strict about it, but it's going to happen. She's going to walk out of the room and everybody's going to go freak all. Mm-hmm. But, um, and, and said that something should be given to her to eat. I mean, okay, she's well. She can eat now. Maybe she had died of starvation because her stomach wasn't working and she couldn't eat. Probably, that's probably the point of what happened. Well, Jesus, the, the practical care of Jesus there that comes through. You know, he's, that's what she needs. She got it. You give her, okay, she's fine. She's alive. Okay, um, why don't you give her something? I think she, she must have had something that was keeping her from being able to digest her food or something because, uh, you know, obviously you can. Eat, she can eat now. Could be, yeah. But if you're laying there dying, usually you're not. Well, he didn't much. tell the paralyzed guy to eat something. He said, "You get up and walk." He tells right. the girl to eat something. Yeah. You well, know? see, he know, Jesus knows exactly what we need and when we need it. So, um, yeah. Exciting. Anyway, so let, should we jump on into chapter six? Uh, we got a little time. Sure, we got a little time. Yes. Yeah, Are you that. guys hanging with us? Yeah. But you know, I, I oh. you know, just kind of to wrap this up or to walk with it a little bit more. Um, that that there's there's so much sickness, so much problems, so many complications. I, I was just thinking about this a couple of days ago, maybe even this morning. Who knows? My time goes like that. But um, the body is so complicated. There's so many ways that it can be broken, mm-hmm. and 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 the mind as well. There's so many things the body needs to be hydrated, to be uh, taken care of, rested. If you have health, keep it by obeying the commandments of God. Mm -hmm. Don't eat the king's food. Don't take the king's medicine. Avoid it as much as possible. Um, But back that was not an issue back in in these days. It wasn't because of genetically modified organisms. It wasn't because they were dropping chemtrails and poison and everything. It wasn't because they were... um, you know, uh, eating eating toxic food that had uh, been smothered in Roundup. By the way, guys, that's a bunch of garbage. You put that stuff on your lawn. You put that stuff on your trying to kill a weed. By the way, the weeds are probably more beneficial medicines and plants than the things you're planting in rows in your garden. And the only reason I call mine weeds is because they're out of the row. They need to be in the row. If they're in the row, they're good. You know, like lamb's quarter and, and various things. It's very good to eat. Really good. But... But things is the thing is again this health issue. Notice most of the people that were um, healed in one in the uh, uh, in, uh, story of the woman who had the crippled back. Mm-hmm. You know her back was twisted. He cast out a spirit of infirmity. In this one, he said to the woman, "You are loose from your affliction." Mm-hmm. He's basically said that to the man who was the demons were set um, sent out of him too. That he is that man had to be in pain. Pain, issue of pain. The pain in this human race is like off the charts. Mm. We were at an, e- at an event um, recently, uh, a, a, a totally non-Christian music festival. Um, Non-Christian, sh- yes. Yeah, totally non-Christian. Mm-hmm. I mean, a very anti-Christian, God. Mm-hmm. anti-God, Pretty new much. age for the most part. But many people are interested in hearing about Jesus, but I noticed this time, and I was sharing that with some others too, that there were so many people that we met, young, all different ages, male, female, some people you don't know if they're male or female for sure, um, 
sharing about their the pain in their lives, not only physical pain, mm-hmm. you know, accidents, tragic losses of uh, mm-hmm. one man who just broke down weeping of, about the loss of his son, and then another one about the loss of a, a 24-year-old friend that was uh, killed in a boating accident, and they spread her ashes at a certain place at this event. Um, so many people, one well, that was thrown through a, a back window of a car in an accident when she was 18, now she's 33 years old, and her 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 uh, friend sitting right next to her died, and she did not die, but she's just had so much pain in her life. And then the emotional pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, one of watching people ta- that you love die. Ta- right, or, or, right, and then... And then one that had gone through so much abuse and rejection is that her mother and her mother's siblings were just dropped off at a park and abandoned years ago. Mm-hmm. And how that had affected this, this girl's life. And, and how she raised her children. Yeah. And, and it was it like... It just goes on and on oh, and on. The, the curses the, just go on the, and the on. The pain, the pain that's there. But, and, and a lot of people do not connect... A freedom, Jesus, to, with with Jesus. Mm, that, they don't I mean, that see he's just him this, as a this, this religious figure, or he's yeah. this yeah. sort of this hippie guru kind of guy that's really uh, has another religion. He's he's maybe one of the options that we can learn from, mm-hmm. rather than uh, the one that we need to follow. The one who well, th- will say, yeah, to will say, be healed. Yeah. Will say to the demons, go. Mm-hmm. will say to um, uh, the bleeding, the disease, stop and go. Will say, will say yes. to us, go into peace. And, and, and so... Right, and he's the practical one. I mean, he's the practical Jesus. He's not this, like you said, he's not this guru, this wonderful teacher, this one of many options. He is the created, I mean, the, the non-created, the only begotten Son of God. We're the created sons and daughters of God, but he is the non-created, ever-eternally existent, pre-existent one. And he is not at all uh, immune or uh, does not hold us in contempt or disdain for what we're doing, what's going on down here. He comes in on the scene with real solutions and real answers, and, and yet, here's the problem, people pray to Jesus whatever their idea of Jesus is. And most of the time when they pray, it seems like nothing happens. Nobody gets better. Nobody gets well. It only gets worse. We get more discouraged because the prayer didn't get answered. And this becomes a real obstacle to um, receiving and seeing Jesus Christ do what he does. And so I would pray and believe that in these coming days, as things get worse and more intense, which they will, there's no way to avoid it. You read the back of the book. You see what's going to happen. That we will have to have a real personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And to have a personal, it's like he has offered us eternal life and salvation. He's offered that to us. He's, he's died in our place. He paid for the, for the, for the uh, restoration. Uh, he paid our price, the death penalty, the sentence that was um, put on us. He's taken it. However, for that to activate, for that to work, for that to be official, you need to accept Jesus Christ back and say, yes, Lord, I agree. I believe you are the one and only son of God. It is through you that I have life and eternal life. And yes, I do believe you do and are and 
who you say you are and, you, and, and you've gone to make a place for us in heaven and say yes to the, the Most High, the, the Jesus Christ. This Jesus that we're seeing and talking about here in, in Mark is real. He is, he's coming again. And he's, he's got us um, inscribed on the palm of his hand. Mm-hmm. And yet the whole point of the snake pit down here is to cause us to not remember that. I mean, we are being a, a beaten, crushed, crumbled. Uh, Satan's trying to snub us, rub us out, destroy us because he hates us. And for most of us, we think somehow that we can, we're a match for the devil, that we are smart enough to outsmart him, we're, we're tough enough to outlast him, and that's the most foolish thing in the world. We can, of our own self, do nothing, hmm. the Bible says. Yeah, and, and that making that connection with Jesus in faith, connecting two, two, uh, two points, connecting what, what's going on in our lives with the powers of darkness, yeah. because what you're talking about, Marjorie, with the with the, the the bad food, the the frequencies, the chemtrails, yeah, yeah. the the lies that we receive through the yeah. various media sources, all this stuff, Satan is working through all this stuff. He's he's intertwined in all this. His goal is to destroy, steal. steal Jesus kill, says, steal, kill, kill, and, and destroy. destroy. And steal our hell. Steal our minds. Kill. Cut, cut us off. And to counterfeit everything. He's a liar. So he's counterfeiting. <laughs> All of the he's making Jesus Christ look really bad, making him look like he's ineffective, like he's uh, irrelevant, like he's confined to a group of or a uh, church or right wing, oh, yeah, or or conservative or or, or some big old no stone love. structure with a steeple mm-hmm. and stained glass. That's not Jesus Christ. Is do you see any of that in the Book of Acts? Stained glass steeples. You guys. You check, just, I, I I would almost dare you, but I know a lot of you are Christians already, you've read it, but those of you who are not, go 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 read the book of Acts, first couple of pages, or the whole book, if you can handle it, and see what the church really looked like, what the carriers of the message really went through, instead of going to some guru or some priest. I mean, we're always giving the jobs that we can only do ourselves. You know, only you can eat your own food. I mean, you can't hire somebody to eat your food. You can hire them to make it, pick it, grow it, wash it, but you have to eat it yourself. We're always hiring somebody to do our spiritual work for us, but you're going to have to talk to Jesus yourself. You're going to have to make it right yourself. You're gonna, you cannot hire somebody else to earn your way to heaven for you because it's not even about earning. It's about being and abiding and believing. You, it's, it's a, you, everybody is individualized here. You cannot hire it done for you. You cannot slip around and, and get some exemption or, you know, some other, you know, way. There's only one way, and that is through Jesus Christ. And even some of our greatest evangelists uh, changed the, the rules at the end. They said, well, yeah, there's many ways to Jesus. No, there, you can start out many different places to get to Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ is the door. He is the only way. He is the way in. And so for, for today, it, it, wherever you're at, let if, if you're in a place of desperation, desolate, diseased, Father, I just pray right now for these people yes. who are so despairing, so out of their mind with fear, locked in these bodies that are falling apart, locked in these bodies full of cancer, locked in these bodies that uh, aren't allowing them to live, that you will find them locked in those caves, locked up in those prison houses within their own bodies. 
that you, Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, good shepherd, will find your little lamb in there that's been locked up because you said, my sheep know my voice. Mm-hmm. So go find them. They've been locked up, snared in holes, captured, locked in prison houses for prey, and no one says deliver, and no one says restore. And Lord, you are, you know their hearts today. You are with them. You're with them in the of the panic moments of panic where Satan's trying to kill them. You're in the moments of dis- disillusionment, brain fog. You're there no matter what's going on, disassociation. You're there. You know it all. You are the faithful witness. You saw everything. And so as they as they bring their cries to you, Lord, as you hear the cry of their heart, I pray that you would send laborers to find them, that you'd also take them, uh, present their case before the court of heaven. And because you are the faithful witness, we pray that you'd set the record straight and that mm-hmm. Satan's objections to their lives, his continued uh, demand to punish or you know, request, whatever, to punish them, uh, to put on them the demonic judgments and the curses of many generations, that you, Lord God, would lift off this veil of, from their hearts, their eyes, and bring them to the peace, that they can live in peace and go into peace, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes. God bless you guys. We love you. And Jesus loves you way, way, way more. May you be blessed and healed today. Amen. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.